We are on a mission. A mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. On the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast, you will get actionable business advice, hear stories from industry leaders, and share a laugh with us. Fuel your passion for pharmacy one conversation at a time. Hello. What's up? Hey, guys. We're in Miami. I, I am know in if Miami. I, so, Stan or Stanley? Stan. Stan. Okay. Got it. Who, who, does your mother call you Stanley? When I'm in trouble. Only when, yeah, only when you're in trouble. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> only is there a real name going on? I actually yeah. think the in trouble would have to be the whole thing, like Stanley Warren. Right. Stanley Warren. Or is it a middle Stanley, name? Stanley James Warren Jr. Oh, does he get the whole thing? Oh, I get the whole thing. Oh, wow. Stanley James Warren Jr. It's really bad. What are you what are you thinking? It's really bad when you use that. So if you were expecting Marsha, apologize. So not um, as good looking as her. So it, I'm and sorry that's her that. husband, so he can say that. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I don't know that you've met Mark Bibbins. He's our uh, SVP of sales. Uh, something like that. Something like that. Yep. Um, basically he comes have- in every day, get it done. I only only through the name on the phone when I was in uh, one of my stores in Manhattan. Oh, right on. I always saw Marsha and Mark Bivens come up depending on which extension was calling. Oh, that's interesting. Funny. Interesting. So you had a um, and and I'm Jeff Key. I don't know if we've met in person before. We haven't. With all the trade shows and everything else, it's surprising. I have. I was at one trade show with PDS, and then that was it. So you're not really a trade show kind of guy. Uh, I just, this year, I, after PDS shut down, I've been kind of bootstrapping like my own endeavor. So okay. I, I didn't, it wasn't in the budget this year. I gotcha. A little bootstrapping going on. I like it. I like it. So you had stores in Manhattan? No, I'm, in New I'm York. not a pharmacist. I'm uh, a consultant now, but I was a technician for most of my life. And then store manager with hopes of being a district manager and just never could leave the pharmacy. So when you saw either Mark or Marsha's name come up, what role were you in at that point in your life? Uh, uh, at that point, I was the VP of pharmacy operations, so I, I called myself uh, basically an owner without equity. VP <laughs> of pharmacy operations. All right. And who are you and who was that with? Uh, that was with the pharmacy on the upper west side of Manhattan. So it's uh, – all right, so – well, just let's just. Uh, this is our first time really to meet, so just give us a give us a little background. I know we're like at right in the middle of your paper, but just kind of take us through your journey. Um, sure, you, you kind of just threw a little bit of it out there, but so I did not want to work at, in the pharmacy at all. One day, my I was sixteen, and my mom said, "You know, just apply for CVS, so I have to go run and pick up some drugs, anyways." Um, at first, it was a hard game of refusal, but eventually I walked in, saw a cute blonde girl behind the counter and was applying before I could finish blinking. Um, and then fast forward 22 years, I went from technician to every position in the pharmacy besides pharmacist. And that was at CVS? Uh, the, the, at first, CVS. the first technician job was CVS? Yep. Anything ever CVS. happened with a blonde? Did... Nope. 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 She was, I was 16, she was 18, and oh, I was yeah. uh, very insecure and, like, shy at that age. So, not, not, I didn't have a chance, but, you know, it's all right. It's good to have dreams. Gotta yes. have dreams. Yes. Gotta have dreams. Gotta ask a lot of girls to dance if you're going to dance with one. 
in that right I, mark. Get, yeah, yes, yeah, sure. Yes. <laughs> yes. Whatever's the appropriate thing to say. Sure. Well, you have a with son. Marsha watching. No, you have a, you have a, <laughs> you have a high school son going I to do. Men, I do. So. Man, that's interesting. My goodness. Oh my god. So. All right, so keep going. So you tried all these different roles and then you ended up at PDS. What did you do at PDS? So I was a consultant mostly around MedSync and Pioneer. Um, it was the last year that they were uh, with us. Okay. So there wasn't, it, it was a very great experience. It taught me how to consult and use my knowledge that I gained in the last 20 years and put it into a format. Um, and now the next year, it's been kind of interesting to figure out how to become really effective at what I know. Huh. He said that like, that was the last year that they were with us. Mm. Dun, dun, uh. That's right. Sound like it's not like PDS passed away. <laughs> well, hey, well, they, they took the private equity bullet. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think the complexity of things there with the private equity and the uh, COVID. I think those are two things. Um, kind of took them out. All right, so now you have your own gig. So tell us about that gig. So now I do consulting around pharmacy operations and finance. Um, I still have a few clients from PDS and then now I work on site with a, a one primary client where I've kind of further developed the system because MedSync alone won't really save a pharmacy. And in fact, uh, I've learned that MedSync alone can actually destroy a pharmacy. Um, Interesting. How do, how and, do you mean, can we, you say more there? Yes, yes. Okay. So if you don't have visibility into your DIR fees or the calculations, if you haven't hired Ben to, to put them in, um, MedSync doesn't, you know, just because you, it, MedSync will grow your volume probably 20%. But if you, if you don't have visibility into your DIR fees, sometimes people will fill like Dexalan Soprazole or Lidocaine patches thinking, hey, I just made 200 bucks. But if they saw what their DIR fee was, they lost 400 and then they put that on auto refill thinking, Hey, I'm making, you know, $4,800 this year. And meanwhile, they're losing 9,600. Got it. And he's referring to for listening, people listening, Benjamin Jolly and DRFs. So. Benjamin. Yep. Yes. Shout out to Benjamin. He texted there. me yesterday. Okay. So, so really, so you, you said you and, obviously and believe, go ahead. ahead, believe in MedSync, super expert in and like I would say, implementing that in Pioneer as well. Um, so what are the other downstream impacts that you, when you go in and go, hey, look, you really should do this. It, has a, it comes with caution because you could just be refilling something that's really detrimental to your business over and over again. What are the other downstream advantages that you're trying to make sure everyone's understanding when you're walking in and doing this? So the first thing is, you know, getting visibility and cleaning up your own like basic operations. You know, you're as a pharmacy, we are in the game of dispensing medicine. So prescription comes in and a prescription goes out. It, all the clinical and other things are, are nice to haves, but at the end of the day, we have to dispense medicine to get to the other nice to haves. So we have to do the dispensing well. Um, and what I mean by that is, is your workflow does it work for your pharmacy? Uh, when I walked into this one client that I'm at now, I could feel the stress level was always at an eight because everybody was on top of each other. Um, 
all the workstations were too close to each other. They didn't have visibility into the patients walking in the door. Um, they didn't have visibility into the like net profit on the labels. So anytime I needed to go and interact with anybody, I was in everyone's way all at the same time. They were always all in the, each other's way. So once we cleared that up, we took the stress down to, you know, a constant two. And that allows them to focus on all of the other tasks that are involved. So, you know, getting your workflow in check first and starting to build MedSync. And now thanks to the combo shop with long-term care, that is a pretty much a must have in my opinion. Um, it has done wonders for all the clients that we've had using it. And on top of that, then, you know, the next step further, um, which is something that I kind of learned at PDS, but there was some, there was something missing to it, but around kind of around the, uh, I, I don't know if you remember the smart dispense system that they, it was kind of what got them a lot of popularity at one time, but there was some, some gray area stuff that got, that's, you know, not the strategy that I would say is a Where long-term there was some clawbacks. Win. Yeah. You're, you're talking about the like single source generics. And yeah. Like switching, trying to switch different meds. Correct. Yeah. But like there is, you know, value to that. If you're like, you know, people talk about constantly how they want to prescribe and they want to be at the top of their license. And yet as a non-pharmacist, now that I've gotten more involved in this, I'm, uh, you know, I go through people's data and I'm like, well, why do you have 47 patients getting simvastatin? That drug's terrible. You pay nothing for it. You get paid nothing for it. And, you know, we could add value by increasing, you know, a simple drug that you're being you're being recorded or uh, you know measured on how well you perform in this area right so why not focus on getting your patients the best quality drugs or care on those specific categories and actually becoming an expert in that in those niches hmm. interesting it should be noted that a stress level of eight in miami is like a 12 somewhere else because <laughs> you're really messing up the miami vibe for real for real <laughs> we've seen it too though we like you go walk into someone doing medicine someone's pharmacy and they're have strong medicine program and good adoption of it it is completely night and day stress levels smiley faces nobody's running around at a 10 you're right it, it it's such a different environment than the very reactive kind of model that you, you you've seen some in the past totally agree yeah with so so and in your your kind of consulting gig do you do any of the outreach for them are you doing any of the kind of you know one of the big things we're that's right, yeah. talk a lot about is getting out of the pharmacy are you doing some of that we're going to talk into public health and doctor's offices and things nope, on behalf of them I, no? it is a hundred percent me teaching them how to do it okay and this particular client uh, that's, it's actually been kind of a blessing in disguise because they, the language barrier, there's a language barrier, not, they don't, you know, most of their population doesn't speak English or English isn't their first language or primary language. So it doesn't behoove me to jump in and do it for them. It's been right. real, it's been really good for me to be patient and, or, or to become patient and learn to, you know, instill my knowledge into the team. And it's also helped really get them, you know, super engaged so is it Spanish um, we're talking here, Miami? Yes. Yep. So do you speak Spanish? Uh, my Spanish, me espanol un poquito. It's very little, right? It, so you're using it, an app? How are you, how are you, so you're consulting <laughs> with them. What are you, are you talking into the phone? I mean, everybody, you know, the staff all speaks, you know, everybody's speak bilingual. Okay. Everybody's bilingual at the pharmacy. It's just the patients 
you know, even if they do speak English, a lot of times they prefer to speak Spanish. So right, like, coming in. you know, yeah. I, I'm the random white guy there. So they're like, what, you, what is this guy doing? Mark's uh, son is learning, is in Spanish today. Yes. And uh, I think you were saying you wanted to learn some Spanish. I do. I, I do. Like we, we took a trip to Spain, um, I don't know, a year ago at this point. And Marcia, um took she was using duolingo i guess or something like that for a good year prior i felt like prior to it and all i heard <laughs> um in our house when there was time for her to do that was different language lessons in it but it, it's something that's just i don't know like the rest of the world already knows multiple language most of the time we're kind of i think ignorant or arrogant whatever it is in that in that way of, so you don't of to go to, like we don't have to don't have to go to spain just go spend a couple of weeks in miami i thought it'd be fun get some cuban coffee <laughs> be good do you like cuban coffee absolutely do they is that do they do that in their pharmacy that you consult with do they do the uh, little there there's a little bakery like literally steps away that i go to every day that i'm there so oh, I, was I, a, I love it. I went to a grocery store uh, one time there to look at their, um, they had a, a central workflow piece uh, from McKesson. And that was the deal. When you walked through the door in the grocery store, they gave you a little, so, oh, it really felt like almost a thumbnail. So into that though. Of Cuban it's, coffee. Uh, it was really neat. Just the kind of the different kind of culture and stuff in the different areas and some of the, um, I mean, prior to Miami, I was in Manhattan, so this is actually very slow for me. Slow? Oh, fair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I would say the Miami vibe that. is a slower, a slower. Yeah. vibe till about... Till, till about 11 p.m. Yeah, till about midnight. <laughs> I don't know. New York's probably pretty wild, too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> At that time, so... I was in... I was in New York during COVID and like all the riots and protests and whatnot. That was actually part of the decision to leave eventually was that the energy had just changed so much. Uh, and I guess working on the front lines at the time, you know, going back and forth from the pharmacy, getting to actually see the devastation of COVID, it changed my perception to, to really, you know, not, it wasn't a pleasant place to be. But then when I got to Miami, it was like, oh, what's COVID? Wow. Huh. That's fair. So if you're not going trade shows or anything, I guess you know Ben Jolly from PDS? Is that how you? Uh, okay. LinkedIn. I, I write a lot on LinkedIn. Okay. Or I run my mouth on LinkedIn a lot. Yes, you do. Yes. Yes, yes um, you do. Yeah, I was going to talk to you about that. So Pharmacy Stan um, yes. is the brand. Uh, I'll call it the brand or the persona on LinkedIn um, that, you, that you kind of write under, I think. Like, what goes into that? What are you, what are you thinking? Is that something that you want to get your thoughts out? Um, about certain topics, just, just kind of explain it to us a little bit. Are you angry, Stan? <laughs> Am I angry? No, no, no. no, no. It, no it, in that? Miami, it's 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 really hard to be angry in Miami. I agree with doing, that. You're doing something Although it is wrong. It's kind of cloudy today. Is it? Is that cloudy? Or is that it, just the way the window is? Uh, no, it is cloudy. Oh yeah, it didn't happen very much. But one of the few days. All right, so keep going about the LinkedIn. You're writing on LinkedIn. Um, What's the strategy? So originally when I moved to Miami, I wanted to exit like the pharmacy side of things. And I had this crazy idea to do a startup where I would try to bring EpiPens to market for $50 or less and then delved into this whole research on that. Ra raising the money is the easy part, but actually making it happen, not a chance. And when I realized how, uh, how hostile people were about the idea because it's typically a money-making area. So to bring in a non-money-making or non-money-making is the only goal 
idea, it was not necessarily well received. So I came back to pharmacy and realized I have plenty of value here. Um, but originally that's why I started writing on LinkedIn. And then at some point it kind of morphed into shouting at PBMs and, you know, kind of in some, some cases being a voice for pharmacists who can't speak out for like from the chains or because they have an independent and their contract says, Hey, if you put anything bad about us on social media, we can go for you. So today's a couple of things from today's newspaper. What do you think about unionization of pharmacy? Like, why didn't it happen 20 years ago? And what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, I worked, I actually did six weeks at Walgreens in 21. Um, being that I'm not a pharmacist, I wanted to get my certifi certification to immunize and, you know, kind of stab some people, help out. Um, and when I experienced what they were going through, I... They, I'm so happy for them because it wasn't pharmacy. The chain had absolutely given up on filling prescriptions and it was only about immunization and testing. And it's not that that isn't important, but you have a job and a role to fill for the community first, which you ignored to go record profit year after year after year. And, you know, at this present day, one of my... One of my former employees and I still keep in touch from when I was uh, in CVS in Charleston, South Carolina. Not the blonde. No, yeah. <laughs> not the blonde. Shucks. Um, I, was, I was going there. Maybe there's still hope. It's only two years <laughs> difference now. All right, keep going. So you're I'm in Miami for that. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, but this one of the stores that I used to work at has now a hundred less tech hours than it did right. to yep. do the same volume. And it was already one of the most difficult stores 10 years ago. Yeah. And that's just prescription volume. That's probably not even immunization volume, right? Yeah. That was, you know, we only did flu shots back then. So, you know, what they're asking employees to do is just, they, they don't deserve to keep making record, record profits if they're not going to take care of the employees and the public safety. So... Is Walgreens making was, are is Walgreens making record profits? Man, I used to read those 10Ks like a nerd. You're a finance person. You can appreciate that, I think, Stanley. Um, are they just suffering as well as everybody else? They is? just got new leadership. They just had a regime yeah. change. That's that's for sure. Um, and somebody from the payer space, I remember, right, or the PBM space. Um, from Cigna, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Hot take. Not really that hot of a take. Um, I could see them merging. Yeah. I, I mean, this is still the, this huge PBM problem and the problem with the PBMs. And, and this was recently admitted. Um, they just lower the price every year. They're not thinking about why or how. They just turn it down. As long as they have the network they need, they're fine. And and, and one of the PBM people looked at a pharmacist and, and they were like, you have to be making money because you keep signing the contracts. Yeah. It's like that is totally and completely disconnected. From reality. Speaking of which, what do we think about the um, uh, new Clear uh, Pharmacy Plan? Is yeah, that what they called it? It's called Clear or something like that. They're trying to like, they're trying to project this transparency. I think is what they're trying to do with the naming of it. I can't remember the name of it, but there's also has this other acquisition cost element to it. Yeah, they're trying to battle the <laughs> cost plus of Mark Cuban. They totally are. Yep. Yeah, it's an answer to that. Um, and I and I think uh, one of the one of the independents. Uh, hit base with me yesterday and they're already sending out the contracts on it 
And it's acquisition cost plus 5% plus $5. $5 yeah. is the spending fee? Yeah. Which on the surface sounds good, but they're using some weird number yeah, that margin thing that, doesn't, I've, though. that I've never heard. It's, well, it sounds great on brands. Yeah, you're actually, fair. Yeah, you know, because you're losing fair. your butt on brands, not taking brands anymore. So I think the brands might be better and the generics are probably a little worse. Um, depending on how you buy it, you know, the generic acquisition, you know, acquisition costs of generics. I think they're using WAC, NADAC, and some other thing I've never heard of. The predictive acquisition cost. Predictive thing. acquisition I cost. Still don't which know. It's like, what how do is. you sign a contract? And I don't, you know, and I don't even have access of, to that yeah, number. It's, it's lesser of logic, too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's the lesser of those as it, the cost. It's always the lesser. That's, I mean, that's been the equation. It's always the lesser of like three or four different variables on every contract, and every contract is different. Well, that, that eliminates Mac. That contract no longer has Mac on it. But, um, yeah, if I can take six numbers and always take the lesser of them, um, it's not bad. But, but the other thing is I'm, I'm signing something for a number that I don't have access to. You don't. You know, I don't know what that number is. Um, but it's interesting. It means they're kind of scared of, of the Mark Cuban or maybe what the Blueberry Pharmacy, some of the, the cost plus. Um, yeah. It'll be mix-based, too, I think. Right? Like, it'll be whatever your mix is will, to me dictate whether it's a plus or a minus for you i yeah. think um from that perspective if you're if you're 98 generic and you've almost shunned all brands five percent actually sounds bad to me uh, in the generic oh, yeah. space yeah you know, like if you've, you've gone if, generic if you've only. gone to like where i'm not really dispensing any brand at all in my pharmacy almost to that point right then that's probably a bad deal yeah because you're dispensing a five dollar generic and you get a five percent margin that's yeah. 25 cents yeah but, yeah 100 it's like it's just that right. part's like ugh. so that that's trivial sounds ugly Mark i mean I, I would be upset that you aren't on combo shop with so much business and not paying zero dir fees on your brands anyways yeah yeah no doubt like your brands should if your brands are not are scary like there's there's definitely alternatives um you know like we get paid well on humana but for brand but we don't get paid up for brands well on any other plan so i mean if Actually, last uh, the last show, Sean had talked about the dual eligibility being very valuable, and that's another thing that I forgot to mention. That's part of my downstream. You know, if your patients are heavily dual eligible, you can move them around to fit your needs. Um, all but maybe two weeks of the year. I think it's just after open enrollment ends, you can't change their plan. So, there's there's a lot of solutions out there, but we we seem to not take advantage of them. Gotcha. So if they're dual, you could find something that benefits them, along with sustainability for the pharmacy. That's what you're saying. Right. Or move them to an you know if they're LTC eligible, move them to an LTC eligible plan. If you're combo shop. Yep. Um, yeah. You, know, you buy an LTC LTC at home. Move them to a, yep. a plan that accepts that. How complicated? Like, have you helped people? startup slash register for that that basically yeah. go through all that give us a, a quick like how complicated would that be for a pharmacy if, if someone who's out there listening going i keep hearing about it and i keep hearing about it more and more how difficult you apply for your a second npi ncpdp you go get recredential or get credentialed with you know uh express scripts optum and um Sorry, I'm drawing a blank. You get you do your independent contracting that you wouldn't do with your PSAO, and then you contact Jerry Med, and from there it's pretty much you know straightforward. As long as you have ten patients that you can do it for, like actually provide LTC services for for uh, you know using medical at home, okay. which 
I haven't seen a pharmacy that that's not a big hurdle. Have, yeah, that's not a no. big hurdle at all. There's some concerns. So, so even without getting another MPI, if I have a long, this is my understanding, if, if I have a long-term benefit in the plans that I have, I can use a code um, that says, hey, that person's in long-term care. Like a clarification then, code that you it, submit with the and claim. And it pays differently, non-DR codes, et cetera. So I can move a person to those plans. But then there's always the the double NPI. But some of that, the... I don't think the contracts specifically say pharmacy at home or long-term care at home to be considered long-term care. There's some criteria, right? You have to um, have special packaging. You have to blank to be considered long-term certain care, services too, right? Right. Yep. And they're yeah. just determining that this is a long-term care patient meeting the criteria for long-term care. They're just in their house rather than in the facility. And so there's some concerns of audit and concerns that, you know, some of the the contracts are going to clarify that. Ideally, you've already covered, you've already done your CYA because you're doing MedSync. If you do, if you have MedSync operating efficiently, going into a combo shop, you know, should be just like flicking on a light switch. But that's also if you're not treating it as just an auto refill program you know, if you're actually calling your patients and speaking to them and, you know, finding out that they're having side effects or that they are changing their doses and, and, and taking action on that, then that's using it correctly. Otherwise, yeah, you can get yourself into trouble with auditing. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Let's, let's talk. Um, when you go into, when you're, when you're engaged, so one of your engagements, when you're, when you're doing this and you're helping someone implement MedSync the right way, staffing wise, what do you, what do you need internally as a champion? What do you have to change the mindset on with some of your staff? What are sure. some of the hurdles that yeah, you've had to coach an owner through to get to the other side? It's really about having a good um, partnership between your lead tech and one pharmacist that doesn't have to be the PIC and it definitely doesn't have to be the owner. And the biggest hurdle is also not letting the pharmacist be the owner of it. It should be a, a lead tech's job. The pharmacist has too many other things operationally that they're required for their clinical knowledge that, you know, it's a hundred percent the tech's, you know, kind of responsibility to shoulder this program and make it go forward. Um, so, you know, once you get that, in place and then just kind of having a whatever just coming up with a plan um i'm going to start with all my caremark patients all my humana patients all you know so and so patients just and then just sticking with it um because if you make progress with it like even when i was at pds we taught people to grow their program maybe 10 percent per quarter um and that's that's, you know, extremely doable for any pharmacy. That's actually pretty slow for a lot of pharmacies. They were able to grow a lot faster than that. But uh, I guess the other thing is not to grow too fast because um, if you grow too fast, then you don't understand what you're actually doing. And then, you know, you're creating a, you know, a separate workflow from your primary workflow that will in, in the future make your life so much easier but in the beginning, you're simultaneously doing two things at once. And that's why it's difficult in the beginning and why most people fail. Um, so I guess the other like requirement is giving your lead tech dedicated time away from the chaos 
Like to, there's no responsibility for them to pick up the phone, help patients do anything because they're in most cases, they have 10 to 15 phone calls per day, especially in the beginning. Let them make 10 to 15 phone calls for an hour or two. They're done with that. Then they can go back to the workflow and stick with taking care of all the reactionary stuff that comes in. That makes sense. So incremental approach is what mm -hmm. you're saying and, and build in bandwidth, right? That's Oh yeah. It's, it's definitely gotta be a slow staged approach to get all of the benefits. Even still, I, this store that I've been with, I've been with them on site for five months and sometimes I still catch things that like I taught them way back when, but I didn't bring it, like I don't mention it again or I don't like really make a, such a point of it. And then all of a sudden I realize, oh, they're not doing that because I didn't tell them, hey, that's what you guys have, you know, that's, this is very important to, to the process. You can't skip that. The, the why behind it. Right. I mean, even like, for me, like I hear so many people in this street talk about dispensing being dead and like, you know, let's move on to clinicals. Um, but I've, you know, I've seen that dispensing can be profitable. And also like, I, you know, to me, I'm like, you can't just ignore dispensing and move on because PBMs have already said they will come for the rest of it. Right. And, and yeah, and it's the, highway or foundation you're building to run the services is the way I see it, right? You still, you have to have a fantastic road to run on. Um, MedSync helps to, helps you do that. I think it's what your stance is. sounds like. And it's like further to, you know, based on some of the stuff that I saw in the, like the, the notes uh, to bring into like AI into the discussion and, and the future of pharmacy, you know, I think MedSync can be pretty much automated at some point because it's building a predictable workflow that you create a system where you call the patient, you know, five to seven days prior to the day that they get their delivery or their pickup. And you can automate most of it. You can't automate the relationship. And that's the one thing that people will continually right. neglect in healthcare in general is you cannot automate person to person contact, no matter, no matter what, even if the AI reaches a point where humanoids look just like me and they can act like me people will distrust it if it's not a human you know and that's a, too much of that if we can do that really well so can amazon or you know so can the big guys um it's interesting but i, I do think with so you're you're thinking ai in pharmacy to help automate medsync to automate a lot of things um, as I mentioned, you know, it's not just MedSync, but, you know, once you have a patient registered and, and put them through MedSync, you know, then you can have like a, a whole menu of services that the AI recommends and keeps track of and sends appointment reminders and kind of facilitates the operational piece of it, but not the, the relationship piece of it. Yeah. Been playing a lot and thinking of a lot about AI and pharmacy. And the one thing you keep just running into is the, um, you know, today AI is for entertainment purposes, you know, and there's a big barrier when you move from for entertainment purposes to a, uh, a healthcare, to uh, a medical instrument, right? Um, you look, it does a, a you could today have, uh, you can have AI tell you, hey, what would I tell a patient who had, 
this problem, this problem, and this problem was taking this drug, this drug, and this drug, and I just gave them this drug. And it can do a very good job, right? Oh, yeah. I can say, make it Southern, and it'll... <laughs> <laughs> Give it a little Southern draw. Bless your heart at the end or yeah, something. Yeah, a little bless your heart. Um, and and I could take a product like Cynth- uh, Cynthia, I think, and I could run that into a person who's saying it. Now, that, look, that looks, you could tell sometimes it's not. But, um, but you know, AI hallucinates, and there's all kinds of problems. Yes, this looks good to me, uh, this one that I just did, but what about the next one, you know? So I think there's still a lot of unknowns in in using AI for that or even recommending. You know, if AI recommends without an intervention. It's tough. Yeah. Especially with your, you know, the way board licenses are and things like that, too. But we think you could, you know, as long as a pharmacist reviewed it, if you think a lot more things like that with kind of the think about a PV2 of of AI, you know, where I'm. Well, my my. And sorry, this is part of my personality. Like I love to be contrarian or play devil's advocate. And Stanley James Warren Jr. The same guy that blasts PBMs on the on the on the on social media. No, I can't can't imagine. I'm poised. I'm ready. I can't imagine Stanley is going to have a contrarian take. Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) So, in regards to the hallucinations and accuracy, if you had a patient ask a pharmacist to describe a prior authorization to them. If you asked a hundred pharmacists, you would probably get 95 different answers. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think where we've looked at it too and ex- tried to explore is, is to just making the mundane easier, right? right. Like, they, like data entry and, and things like that to where if you could just completely almost eliminate it to where someone still just verifies it. Now you I think the way things work today, you'd probably still have to do that. But I, I think that's probably where we've yep. invested more, especially with staffing models having to be squeezed as much as they have to be squeezed. Yeah, uh, imagine in order just to eliminate still, data entry. Yeah. And the pharmacist checked it, and 98% of the time is right, and 2% of the time he fixed it. Pharmacy techs could be working on MedSync. They could be working on... Just, yeah. Yep, totally. Yep. And that can go to the bottom line as well. Flip side too, though, the PBMs can use AI and they can catch everything that everybody does very quickly. I, for example, if you're misbilled, you know, if you bill a, an insulin incorrectly, an eye drop, um, if you're billing, if you're doing a bunch of test claims, like all of those patterns will be able to be picked up almost instantaneously. And be like China, they would just automatically deduct it from your payments. Just couple it with quantum computing in the in the near future and yeah uh, well be good the other side of that is that the good guys it's us the could could use ai to help pharmacists not make mistakes right that might get them in trouble um and hopefully we could be a lot more agile than some of these big pbms and hopefully you see the pbms you know everybody i'd hate to be them i really would hate to be running that business because everybody hates you right now. Well, it's it's the only they're... thing that the U.S. government agrees on today right. is PBMs are bad. Yes. That's the only thing. They don't agree on anything else. They don't agree. Parties don't agree among themselves. Yeah, no, no. But and Democrats are fighting over Palestine, and the Republicans are fighting over shutting down the government, And but they all think PBMs are bad. Yeah. So Got to take the momentum, too. Yeah. You can take that momentum and run with it. My only comment I is- I hear it. Something's coming. <laughs> A you seem to be holding back. Yeah, go ahead. Pharmacists voted. A lot of them like 
like to have voted for their own demise. You know, PBMs got their power, as did all big business back when Citizens United versus uh, FEC was was instated or overturned. Um, but yeah, once once they gave corporations unlimited spending power in politics, that was when PBMs, you know, gained all their authority. Yeah, they got their ERISA protections. Well, right after that. yeah. The other thing is. <sighs> Oh, yeah, if, if, you're le- if you're legitimately, and, and that's where a lot of the antitrust stuff, if you're legitimately driving down, you know, the government looks at driving down the cost for the consumer, right? And, and PBMs have been able to say we're driving down costs for the consumer so far. Uh, but as things become more transparent, starting to see, oh, that's really not true. Yeah. You're really driving and, up And costs. with the introduction of high deductible plans too, started to really like squeeze right. the consumer a little bit more. But the but the when the government's control of business is related to reducing costs for the consumer and pharmacists are complaining we're not getting paid enough and just you know the initial thing rings kind of well that and the, you can almost prove consumer harm too with sustainability of pharmacy is you if you shut 2000 right. pharmacies in the next 6 months you're going to have a really strong case. Yeah, speaking of that, what do you think about the DR cliff? How's uh, your pharmacy you're working with? Are they going to be okay? They were losing like twenty five, thirty thousand dollars a month. Um, so at one point, no, they were not going to be okay. The the owner was kind of financing it out of his own pocket. Um, pharmacy's been his labor of love, not his labor of money. Gotcha. But you turn um, that around, right? They're not losing that much that ar- money. We turned that around. They've been now they're up fifteen k the last two months consecutively. So looking to you know just keep going from here do you talk to your friends how do how do people feel about how many pharmacies are going to close next year because they don't have enough money to pay their dr fees uh, i mean the industry is so pessimistic it's it's tough part of me loves the business um but like you know not many people are saying positive things so right I, I don't try to involve myself in, you know, it's bad enough just doing the research as a consultant to kind of stay in the know. Like I get more political stuff than I would really love to have in my daily life, but. Yeah. We hope if it's too bad um, that Congress will jump in with some type of, you know, Let's pivot, you know, zero interest loans or, or some type of uh, saving yeah, you know, not good for uh, health in America if you had 4,000 pharmacies go out of business. Because most of those would be rural. You know, your rural people right. would be where you're. Um, yeah, there's an article the other day. We're already creating more pharmacy deserts at the moment. Yeah. Well, and there's a move to kind of that that says, hey, the simply looking at how far people are away from the pharmacy isn't correct. You need to not only look at how far they weigh, but what does car ownership look like in the area? Because uh, ah. you could have a less rural area, though, with low car ownership in a desert. You know, that's I'm fair. not going to. No, that's fair. In the city, I'm not going to walk four miles to the pharmacy. Yeah. Five miles, whatever that line is. Yeah. Right? Depending on your health, you can't. Right. right? Like, yeah. You just straight up can't. Right. You think about, yes. you know, Marsh's grandmother's not walking five miles in the city. I mean, a little bit. In the city, you're not walking half a mile to the pharmacy. Yeah, no. And so if you had low car ownership, 
then you have to have be much denser to not have deserts. You could create deserts in in pockets of places in in the Bronx or you know that kind of thing. So Fair. yeah, Pro- probably not so much New York, but where you know it's actually interesting. And I just kind of had that thought coupled with it. You know, next year the commercial loan market is coming due to mature, and there's you know all the lack of return to to the workplace. So there's a bunch of like day in Ohio and 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 midwestern cities that have all this commercial space that are really in in fear of that urban doom loop where people just kind of exit quickly so that could really impact pharmacy you know pharmacy deserts or creating more deserts super interesting i haven't seen any have you seen new statistics about how many people are back in work or working from home versus i'd say our parking garage is full yeah here this building specifically yes it's me like (laughs) I have like eight stops on the way the ele- uh, on the way up the elevator now, but anyway, that's just me griping about first world. <laughs> it seems first, like first world back. stuff. <laughs> but I think you're big, big cities. I don't. I haven't read any. The traffic's still bad. Uh, San Francisco's still not good. No. Um, yeah. um, and but they overall, there's problems, right? They yeah. get the problems with the crime and the homeless and the you know keeping people out of the. Yeah. Overall, like slow improvement. I think is the last statistics I've seen everywhere. It's still it's nothing like pre-pandemic. Everyone's trying to figure out what that is. Obviously, the commercial lending piece that that's could be a little very slow bomb typing. Not to be all doom and gloom, though. My God, <laughs> <laughs> we're watching the cloudy skies there in Miami. Damn, I don't know. Like, all right. now, this, now I feel attacked. So, Damn, so this the, off. Um, all right. So <laughs> this gig's over, and, and you head to the next gig. What's kind of your top five things to focus on? In the pharmacy. I think we've heard MedSync pretty loud yeah. and clear. Inventory too, probably, right? <clears throat> MedSync, I mean, MedSync drives inventory. Um, so yeah, inventory, combo shop, um, doing clinical interchanges, you know, focusing on getting people off your cheap generic drugs that don't provide any value. Maybe getting people off of some of the brand names that, um, like some of the inhalers that didn't have a generic alternative at one time. Now there is a generic alternative. Right. There's still low adoption on coverage. The PBMs have done a great job with DAW9 and stealing all the money from the independents. Yep. Yep. Um, That's usually when something goes off patent. That's when we can actually make some money. But like on on all the insulins, good luck. It's all brand name only. Um. And then after that, there's a, there's such a huge opportunity with like the Medicare Advantage plans and the OTC dollars that the patients have. Interesting. Um, Are they which, doing that? You doing that in the pharmacy you're in today? Mm-hmm. Okay. That is something say, we have. Can you say more about that? So, the, like, um, every all the Medicare Advantage plan patients and kind of. Every, everybody in your system, if you were to focus on like your the way you name your third parties, you could really get a lot of details out of it. Um, and what I mean by that is like with Humana and Optum specifically, Pioneer doesn't have integration directly with the S3 network, but you can get a terminal separately. Yep. And what I've done is like identified the plans, how much their benefits are. So every time you fill a prescription for a patient, it, you know, has a third party tag that says this patient has $230 a month OTC benefits. So when the pay, when the staff is making their sync call, you know, a simple, Hey, do you need anything? Interesting. Like that's an easy way to get upsell. 
How did you know that 2.30? You had to go to the terminal and look it up? Or did you, how did you, how did you know this patient has that? You just know based on their plan, they get that much. So that's kind of like what I guess my specialty is, is I've been able to take the data that's in front of everybody in Pioneer and, you know, a lot of it's kind of getting tips and tricks from people like Ben or others in the industry or just playing with it myself for, you know, at this point, I think it's like six years or so. Um, But once you really take that data and properly organize it, it builds a roadmap for you to see what reimburses what and what pays what. Yes, then you have to do some extra research. Like I took the plan names or the plan ID numbers and contract ID numbers and went and Googled what's the OTC benefit. But then, yeah, I just start tagging every single gotcha. one of them. So so and, that was, <clears throat> so you know what the potentially have, they may have used some already. Fair. You don't yeah. know what they have left. Correct. Correct. But, you know, for example, uh, this store, to give people a perspective on volume, I think it does like 7,000 prescriptions a month. Um, we've only identified maybe 15% of the peop- of the patients with their OTC benefits because it requires you to ask them for either the Medicare beneficiary ID or the last four of their social to do a, a Part D eligibility check and get the information you need. Okay. Um, and that's a potential $200,000 in annual revenue that we weren't even touching because we didn't even have a machine to do that before. Right. Um, we haven't really captured any much to be fair for people listening, like, you know, the store that we've turned that I've turned around and done that, they are not even close to their full potential. Like they don't do the med sync the way that I would like them to do it. You know, they're not making right. the phone. They're just starting to make the phone calls and just starting to capitalize on some of this. Mm-hmm. But it took that much. It took, you know, four months for them to really turn their operations around to be ready for that. Um, huh. Yeah. We had initially talked to S3 about an integration and then they got bought and that was shut down, but, but they're back talking to us again and uh, we'll roll out a solution with nation's benefits. It's, it's now owned by Optum. Yep. Yeah, and at that time they said it. I guess they had other priorities, but they were doing no more integrations because they said, "Hey, you can have the terminal." Uh, but I think we're back on that, getting it integrated because yeah. there'd be value in having it integrated. You could store the OTC card, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, almost, if you could done. get the OTC card stored in there, so it's part of like the, you know, their auto pay. That would be yep fantastic. Yep, yep. make it easy. It's what that's what I want our name to be. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. Well, I think uh, we're short of time. Um, any other thoughts? Clo- closing question. Okay. You wrestled a 12-foot tiger oh, shark. Yeah. Tell us about oh, that. Yeah. What the heck is that? Uh, so when I was in Charleston, South Carolina with my ex-wife, I had a nonprofit around shark conservation. So we tagged and released sharks from the beach. Uh, my biggest was a little over 12 feet. And we caught, tagged and released about a thousand in three years that were all over five feet and all from the beach. So, so, so like fishing, like I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, still so fishing. stupid about this. I'm like, is that, so you're fishing and reeling them in and then tagging them. You, you tag catch. them and you catch and release basically. Okay, cool. I, I was thinking you were cage diving or something like that. It's like, what are you doing? Jumping dude? out with your arms outside <laughs> the cage. Like I just look for one, like the crocodile <laughs> hunter goes by. I've got it. Tag him. I was, yeah, I was thinking more crocodile hunter where you see them in the water and you jump in, but 
Got the, it, yeah. the release process is really the wrestling part. You know, they um, their skin is like sandpaper. So if they go, if they rub their skin the wrong way against you and, you know, they're not very happy that they're um, getting a hook taken out of them or all that, you, you usually leave with uh, wounds every time. So huh. it, there is some wrestling aspect for sure. <laughs> Cer- certain species will literally roll themselves around in circles trying to get back into the water in a in what we used to call death rolls because if you were near them when they were doing this you were going to go home very hurt Here, yeah uh. i got it well it's been fun if, uh, if people want to uh how they find you we're here more about stanley it's uh you're on linkedin they can follow you on linkedin it's pharmacy stan right Pharmacy and stand on LinkedIn or any socials. Any but social? Mo- Do you have a website? Most, uh, pharmacystand.com. Pharmacystand.com. All right. It's been fun. Hopefully we'll Thank get to guys. see you at a trade show. Some, you'll start making money and uh, go to a trade show. <laughs> or we'll stop, see you. Stop spending that in all the nightclubs in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you at a pharmacy either way. All right. All Talk right. to you later. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dan. Right. See you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, subscribe, and follow us wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more pharmacy professionals like you.